0: This is the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, episode number 90. Hey, welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, the show where I get a chance to speak with today's most successful pizza operators, restaurant entrepreneurs, and marketing experts to help you figure out what's working to help you grow your business. We do that with this podcast right here on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, the courses, the mastermind group our live show that we do on Tuesday nights over on Facebook. You can find all that stuff over at smartpizzamarketing.com. All the information is there. Links to get all that stuff that I just mentioned, as well as all the past interviews that we've done with our great guests that we've we've had a privilege to have on with us. Today's guest I'm excited for. His name is John Arena. He owns Metro Pizza in Las Vegas. He has five locations and two that he licenses out to corporations. We talk about... The difference between franchising and licensing. And we also talk about who multiple locations is for. And maybe it's not for you. Maybe you're just meant to have one really successful location. John describes the mentality you need to have if you want to have multiple locations and how to do that. Um, we also talk about uh, his class that he teaches at a local college about the pizza business. And you know he, we, go, we go into what he teaches inside of that and the results that he's got from that. Um you know, tons of great stuff in this information. If you want to head over to smartpizzamarketing.com, you can find all the links to John's website, his Facebook, his course that he has over at the college, what, what he talk about inside that course, and all of that great information. So that's enough for me. I will see you at the end of this episode, but hopefully you enjoy this episode with John Arena from Metro Pizza. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Show. Excited for today's guest he is the co-founder of Metro Pizza in Las Vegas. His name is John Arena, and I'm sure you've seen him on videos, or if you go to uh, any pizza show, I'm sure you've seen him and hear, heard or heard him talk. Um, excited to have him on the show today, John. Thanks so much for taking the time out and joining me today.
1: Thanks for inviting me. I'm always happy to talk about pizza.
0: I think I watched a video with you um, on with pizza therapy, and you were uh-huh. talking. You, uh, I thought it was an interesting topic. Uh, it was You were talking about a pizza school. Is that something that you're still involved in?
1: Um, what we were talking about is the class that I teach at UNLV, yeah. which, was, which was the first uh, three-credit pizza-related course taught at a four-year university. And it's a class that's offered to hospitality students, upper-level hospitality students. And it started out as kind of a pizza history and culture class. And then over, over the years, it morphed into more of a pizzeria concept development class, so they not only learn about the history of pizza and the different types of pizzas and where they came from and how, the, how pizza evolved, but they also learn how to create a pizza concept within a, within a budget, and they, can, they have to learn how all the different components work together. That includes marketing, design, construction, construction menu planning, um, You know, just about anything that you can think of that goes into building a successful restaurant.
0: All things that people who I find after talking to people and listeners don't really think about when they want to open a pizzeria at the beginning.
1: No, of course not, because they look at pizza and say, oh, pizza, how hard could it be, right? Right.
0: That's exactly the the case. So how did you get started in the pizza industry? So you you obviously have built up a reputation where you can teach a class about that. How did you get into the business?
1: I was born into the pizza business. My, my dad, my uncles, uh, everybody in my family was in pizza business in New York. So my cousin and I started working together September 7th, 1967, so we just had our 49th anniversary of working together.
2: Well, congratulations. And,
1: um, thank you. And we hated it. <laughs> we, swore we, would, we swore we would never be in the future business uh, when we grew up. Uh, we would get out of college and have a real job. And the day after I graduated, uh, I moved to Las Vegas and we opened our first store.
0: Why did you move to Las Vegas?
1: 1980, um, the economy was pretty bad, just about all over the country, and Las Vegas at that time was considered to be like a recession-proof uh, economy, which has proven to be untrue, but, uh, but for that time, it was, it was still going pretty strong, even in the Jimmy Carter years, Okay. and um, we also we wanted to get away from New York. We saw an opportunity elsewhere.
0: I thought you were going to say because um, it was cold in New York, and it's cold here where I am, too.
1: Um, you know, that was, that was not the major motivator. The real, the, the real thing was, you know, what's the right place to go, where there's not a saturation of well-established pizzerias. We wanted to go somewhere where they had a, a population that had a lot of people from the East Coast so they would understand our product. And, of course, at that time, we were convinced, just like all New Yorkers, that the sun rises and sets on New York-style pizza. So we thought that we would uh, we would be successful here.
0: And how how when did you, did you open when did you open your first location? June first, nineteen eighty. And how how was that process? How did that go?
1: Um, we were embraced immediately. The town was still small. There were two hundred thousand people in Las Vegas, and there were only nineteen pizzerias. So, wow. um, and it was still a town where word of mouth counted for a lot. You know, that's changed over the years. In general, you know, it's good to have good strong word of mouth, but you can't rely solely on word of mouth anymore, right, but at that time you know at that time it was neighbors telling neighbors
0: now people tell each other on the internet
1: exactly so it's you know it's uh it it's the same thing but amplified
0: and how long did it take you to open an, an additional location? How long were you operating one single location, trying to figure out the methods, and what did that look like?
1: um we opened our second location. Uh, in six about six years after the first one, and then we opened a third a year after that, and we then we kind of stayed pretty even for several years before we opened the fourth, and uh, and over the years opened additional stores. And how many do you have now? We have five that we operate, and we have two restaurants that we um, that we licensed out to major food service corporations. So one of them is at the airport that's licensed to host and one of them is licensed to Almark and that's on UNLV campus.
0: Oh, when you say license out, they just use your name and your recipes?
1: They use our name, our recipes out. We do all the training. We monitor the purchases, um, help them with their, uh, with their develop, with their continued development of the products and, uh, and strategies for increasing their sales. Um, you know, it's it's not a franchise it's a licensee and we found that that works better for us um, both legally and also in terms of us having the right licensee we wouldn't we wouldn't license to a person that has not been in the restaurant business before but you know host alamark they know how to replicate right what is
0: the difference between a franchisee and a licensee I, i'm sure people want to know that
1: well there's a there's a legal distinction um a licensee does not fall under the same uh, strict criteria of uh, due diligence that a franchise, a franchise. The state, the laws from state to state on franchises are very, very complex and rightfully designed to protect the uh, the franchisee. Because there's been a lot of uh, disreputable franchisors out there that right. create impossible situations. A license, a licensing agreement, is um, a little less strict and uh, pretty, pretty cut and dried. They're allowed to use your name. They're you give them recipes. You give them training. They give you a percentage of the sale.
0: Got it. How do you monitor that? Is that something you have to go in there and audit, it or you just have reports, or how does that get monitored?
1: We get we get reports weekly. Okay. From each location, and um, and we also um, we have a relationship with the with their suppliers. So when you, have a, you know we know. We know what they're purchasing, and if you've been around the business for as long as we have, when you look at the purchases, you know what the sales are.
0: Right, because you can just go look at your other restaurants. Exactly. Okay. So what was the – did you license those stores out after you've opened all the locations that you currently have open that you operate?
1: Yes, we did, because in both cases, we had international food service companies that were looking for a local brand that had a strong reputation.
0: And did did they come to you?
1: Yeah, they approached
0: us. Oh, nice. So that's yeah, good. I'm they, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because the franchisee thing is something that I'm, I'm sure a lot of independent operators aspire to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, where you took a different approach to that, I'm sure that they, that could be something that they they could learn from. Whereas it doesn't always have to be open up multiple locations and then franchise it out. You could do something different.
1: Right. There's other there's other alternatives that might not be as complex and as rigidly structured. And a licensing agreement seems to be seems to be a, a better way of going about that for most people. You know creating a franchise system and all of the things that you have to have in place is very complex right um, you know especially because you're you're dealing with uh, laws that that vary wildly from state to state. You know so we kept this local um, we knew the parameters that we had to operate in. And we also are able to easily monitor those those stores because they're right in our backyard. One, right. of, them is, one of them is less than a half a mile from uh, full, one of our full-service locations.
0: And when you, so the five stores that you operate, what is that, were there growing pains? What were the, some of the growing pains that you guys had to work through in order to, to get that many stores? Because I mean, I'm sure you have many, many employees that you have to work with on a daily basis having that we many have
1: locations. A, We have about 225 employees. Um, You know, and naturally, replication is a challenge for everybody. Um, I think that's the thing that most people struggle with, especially if you're a a hands-on pizza operator that loves to make every pizza themselves. So the biggest challenge is getting past the idea that you're going to be doing everything. You know, you you have to, first of all, you have to be able to document every important procedural step in your operation. You have to be able to. You have to be able to transmit that information effectively. You have to be able to monitor that that information effectively. So it's um, multiple locations is not for everybody. Who is it? Who do you
0: think? Who do you think it's not for? Like, are there are some personality traits of people that if they have these traits, it's probably not for you.
1: Yes, if you are unable to let go of every minute detail, and if you can't distinguish between the things that it, that are essential that you do. Versus the things that that can be delegated, you know. I mean, I have a I have a friend who's a wonderful, amazing pizza operator, but he insists that he's the only person in his company that can clean the espresso machine. <laughs> you know, and, and the guy, and he's one of the best in the in the country, but he's got to be the guy that cleans the espresso machine. Multiple locations are not for him, right? And he knows that. You know, he knows that that would not be his thing.
0: It kind of goes back to when we talk about on the show, we sometimes talk about hiring people and what you want to look for is you want to hire for like attitude and work ethic and how they represent themselves. And then you can teach them how to cook because that's a trainable skill. Answering the phone is a trainable skill, but like work ethic and how you show up prepared for work is not something that you could train somebody.
1: Yeah. And I think you have to be able to distinguish which things are trainable and which things are not. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, which things are really crucial to uh, as everybody likes to say, their brand. You know, and you gotta you know, the first first thing is you have to decide who you are and what you wanna be and what your real business is. And I think a lot of people have a hard time determining that.
0: So when you in the beginning, were you the person who could let other people do work or would you have to do it all in the beginning? No,
1: I had to I had to learn how to do that. I was the person that had to do everything myself. What was it the- long? yeah to be able to 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 be able to say no, my real job is to be able to get people to love this as much as I do so that they can do it in a way that is representative of what we want the product to be you know so finding you know the real the challenge for a leader is finding like minded individuals and then getting them to do things that they never thought they were capable of or even thought they wanted to do to begin with
0: yep. And how did you do that in the beginning? Was it something that, was there a turning point in your career that said, all right, enough's enough. I've, I've been doing this like this for so long, I have to change it. Or is it just something that happened gradually?
1: It happened very gradually. You know, um, it used to be a running joke every year on, on on January 1st, I would tell all the employees, okay, don't expect to see me on at the pie board anymore. It's a new year. You guys are going to do everything. And then they would bet on, what time on January first I would be making pizzas?
0: <laughs> Didn't even last a day. No, <laughs>
1: very rarely. And you know, and you know, I made I made pizzas for, at lunch shift today. You know, I was I was not the I'm not the scheduled pizza guy anymore. But if I'm in the building, chances are I'm covered in flour. <laughs> uh, but you know, but you leave from the front, right? Right, so definitely. That's part of it. When I'm when I I've I've gotten to the point where when I am making pizzas in, in one of my restaurants, it's not just that I am making pizzas, I'm also teaching, I'm coaching, I'm developing, sharing knowledge, I'm exchanging ideas, uh, I'm setting an example. You know, if you're just the guy that's, you know, it's your turn to be on the schedule, if you have multiple locations, you're doing
0: Right. How do you find employees that have the right attitude and, and that you feel like will be a good team member that can grow with you as a company?
1: You know, I think that's the age-old problem, and I've done, you know, I've taught, conducted seminars all over the world, and that's the first question that everybody asks, how do you get people, how do you get people that are that buy into your, uh, to what you what you want to represent? And I think that for most of us, um, a lot of times it's it's hit and miss. You have to set yourself up so that you're not hiring out of desperation always. Right. And to make mistakes. You also have to be able to realistically cut your losses. But I think what it starts with is having a vision of what the skill set is for a particular job. Sometimes sometimes your employees are on the wrong they're in the wrong seat on the bus. You know, if you've got somebody that's a tremendous personality and always wants to be talking to people and be around people, you don't stick them in the prep kitchen. You know, if you've got somebody that doesn't like to be a, be in front of people and is not particularly organized. You don't put them at the front door greeting customers on a Friday night when you got you know 250 people in the restaurant. Right. So I mean, it starts with I mean, sometimes people do hiring and they don't even have a clear vision of what the what the personality traits and and the performance characteristics they're looking for to suit a particular job would be.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point you just said. Um and I get that question. That's the the number one question that I get asked on a daily basis. Is, I have I I can't find employees. I don't know how to find them. I don't know nobody wants to work. Um they're all lazy. You know, very cliché statements about employees and I think you're right. We we tend to uh have a a role to fill and we try to fill that role rather than finding people and then sticking them in the role that they're best suited for. Mhm. Um, right. so, so how do we, how do, how do people get past that? You say, okay, for, like don't hire out of desperation. So that is, is that something like you just constantly keep talking to people and the more people you talk to, you get to know what they can do Yeah, I'm you, always
1: on, you know, I'm always on the alert for people that seem like they would be a good shape. Um, you know, I am, I'm not going to say I'm, a, I'm perfect at it or I'm an expert at it, but right. we've got probably, uh, out of 225 employees, we probably have close to 20 that have been with us 20 years. Well, even,
0: in, even though the, you say you're say you you, say you don't, you're not an expert at it, but you have five locations that you have to have multiple employees for. So obviously you're doing something
1: right. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it, it changes too. It's evolving. The things that motivated an employee 25 years ago are not necessarily the things that motivate them today.
2: Right, that's true. So you've got
1: you know, to stay current also. You've got to stay, I think, in some ways culturally current know what you know to know what's important and know what resonates with today's employee as well right you know, and that involves creating meaningful challenges creating a sense of a sense of, of self-worth and value in the job uh, you know different you got to really be able to read people and you know I, I might have somebody who really wants to learn the intricate details of dough production and somebody else maybe doesn't care about that. Maybe somebody else cares about uh, environmental concerns or or social, uh, the social importance of a pizzeria. Right. So you're always, you know, you're always looking, you're always creating dialogue with your employees and getting to know them and saying, okay, where's their button? What's the button that I can push? Usually, I think when you're teaching, more than likely, when the teacher fails, it's not be, it's not because of the student. It's because the teacher. If the student doesn't succeed, the teacher failed to find the, the things that were gonna get that person excited.
0: Right. No, that's a great that's a great learning lesson there. Now, do you, it
1: really helps, it helps me to stay connected. You know, one of the reasons that I teach the class at UNLV is because I'm, I'm constantly uh, getting feedback from a new generation of customers. They're not only students, but they're also the future of my business because they're the, you know, so I'm learning as much from them as they're learning from me. because right. I sit down and I say, you know, how, you know, how are you, how are you connecting with restaurants? How are, you decide, how are you making your purchasing decisions? What music are you listening to? Where do you buy your clothes? What, you know, what apps do you like to use? All the stuff that, you know, how do you make your food choices? How do you make your own shopping choices? Uh, what books are you reading? What movies do you watch? All of those things are, are information. I I tell people in my seminars ride with your windows rolled down <laughs> so you can hear what the, what they're listening to in the car next to you. You know, keep 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 your eyes open for any kind of input that could, you know, it could be something that's seemingly unrelated, but it does affect your business. Right. You know, as much it, it could be anything. It could be. What colors are people wearing right now? What clothing are they picking right now? You know, what's What's in style right now? You know, all of those things. We have, you know, we're in the restaurant business. We have this unique opportunity to affect all five senses. It's when funny. When person comes into a yeah. person comes into a restaurant, they're listening to the restaurant. They're smelling the food. They're feeling the fabrics on the on the upholstery. They're tasting the food, of course. They're looking around. There's visual sense. It's all, it's all of those things. It's the one business in the world where you have a, you know, an opportunity to have a positive effect on all five senses. So you've got to be constantly aware. How does, it, you know, how does my customer respond to this? What are the things that they like? What type of – I mean, it, it's as, as minute as what type of fabrics do they like right now? Right. What, are they, what clothing are they buying?
0: So it's really just being aware of what's going on around you. Like I always say, I always watch my nieces. They were, I mean, they're 18 and 19 years old now and they're in college, but when they were 14 to 18, I was constantly bugging them. Hey, what app are you using now? What what are you using now? And they first started to use Instagram. And then I realized that was going to be a big one. Then they really got onto Snapchat and I said, Hey, this is going to be uh, probably something that the next generation is going to use. So you're right. You always look at you know what they're using, or what they're looking at, or what they're looking at for entertainment, whether it be on their phone or on TV. Because you can gather so much data from that.
1: And if you're not using all that information, you're on your way to becoming the Sears robot or A and P of the industry. Yeah, you know, I always use somebody, the
0: uh, yeah I always somebody
1: use, that dominated at one time and doesn't is not a blip on the screen anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, I, I, I always use the California blockbuster analogy.
1: Now. Sure, blockbuster is a big one, but in you know in food service. Howard Johnsons used to dominate on the East Coast. How many Howard Johnsons are left? Right. Right. You know, if, um, you know, somebody, something like Sears. They thought they were in the catalog business. They didn't realize that they were in the in the business of delivering product conveniently to people's homes. If they did, they would be, you know, they would they would be the Amazon.
2: Right. right now,
1: You're you know, right. Or, so you know, that's part of it too. What business are we really in?
0: Now how is your how has the mar- so you've been in the business for a while over the over the course of many years? How has the marketing of your business changed in the last let's just keep it to like the last ten years?
1: Well, I'm gonna be the first one to admit that I am not as good at that as I need to be. Okay. And we're in the process right now of, of really modernizing everything. But the, the main thing that's happened is what we're finding is people do not want to talk on the phone. Right. They don't even want to talk on the phone to each other, let alone talk on the phone <laughs> to, uh, you know, to a, a phone operator that's taking orders. Okay, that, that is going to go by the wayside. I have a friend that has a, a very tech-savvy pizzeria um, that's just opened up. She's actually from Russia and uh, fairly been in the business maybe for seven or eight years. And she doesn't take any phone orders. All of her orders come online. Wow,
0: I think I might know the name of that. Is it like Dodo Pizzeria?
1: Dodo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know? Do you, do you know her? Do I you don't know her, that?
0: but uh, Steve Green of PMQ mentioned that to me uh, in an interview yep. that we I did with him uh, a few weeks back.
1: Right.
0: We talked about that very thing. Like they don't take any right. phone orders. They do all of their orders either you got to walk in and take place your order, or you have to do it online only.
1: Right, and you know, and that's for the wave of the future. You know, if you if you look around if you look around at your employees, you're going to see them all night. You you have to keep telling them stop texting, put your phone away. You don't have to say to them stop talking on your phone, but they're not talking on the phone.
0: They <laughs>
1: right. don't want to talk on. The phone. They want to have they want to have complete control of the dialogue in their own time, and that means online ordering in our case.
0: Are you doing online ordering currently?
1: We're just getting started to implement online ordering. We've been, we are definitely never gonna be accused of being early adapters.
0: You got to, yeah, you can just say you're taking it slowly.
1: We took it too slowly, and now we're playing catch up.
0: Right, what order, what ordering system are you gonna use?
1: Um, well, we use Diamond Touch as a POS PL, system. Okay. So we have to do something that will be compatible with Diamond Touch.
0: And are you doing any Facebook marketing or any online marketing?
1: We do it, but that's another thing where we're doing it on the fly. You know, I'm a, I'm a pizza guy that's also trying to do, you know, that that's one of the entrepreneurial curses. You think that you can just keep changing hats. And really what, what you need to do in this day and age is have the experts doing the stuff that they're experts at. Right. You know, I could probably arguably be considered an expert at making pizzas. But that doesn't mean that in an age of this sophisticated social media marketing, that I should be doing that myself too. Right. You know, yeah, we you might be a great social media marketing expert. It doesn't mean that you should be. If you open a pizzeria, you should be creating the pizza recipes. Definitely not. You no, know, it's not your skill set. Right. And I think that um, our business is becoming so sophisticated and so competitive now that it's imperative that we leave that we specialize. And we know how to, de- just like we need to delegate certain things in the restaurant, we need to delegate those other tasks, too. You know, you, you need to have experts helping you with your marketing now. Even, you know, there was this thing about social media that almost implied, well, it's social. I know how to be social, so I can do this myself. But there's clearly, there's ways of doing it productively, and there's ways of doing it where you're spinning your wheels.
0: Right that's the thing that I find uh, the most happen to people is that you can do it yourself because it, there's no, there's no uh, buying any software really when you're doing Facebook or you're doing any kind of social media, it can kind of, it's kind of, there's no price to entry. You can just kind of do it. Um, but there mm-hmm. is some kind of learning curve there to do it. Well, like you said, you need to right. know it's not just posting your stuff on Facebook. It's not like a mailer to people's houses. Like it used to be, There's there's a little bit of, uh, a nuance to it that you have to really learn. And once you, but once you figure it out, you can do it by yourself, but there, it does take time. It's not something that you can do sure.
1: overnight. I think, you know, I'm, I'm not suggesting that you can't make the postings yourself, but you need guidance in what's effective and what's not effective. Right. In order to be able to maximize and, and what, and need guidance in understanding what's of real value. Otherwise, basically what happens is you're preaching to an already existing customer base. You know, if, you, if your method of using Facebook is to get your existing customers to follow you on Facebook and that's it, how does that drive new business into your store? Right. You're just sending out messages to your, you know, you're sending, you're sending out uh, smoke signals to people that are already, you know, part of your inner circle. Right. But we all know that just through attrition alone, you have to keep replenishing your supply of customers. You can't have more customers going out the back door and coming in the front. And there's got to be some young guy out there that understands how to use the technology better than you do, who's going to literally be eating your lunch.
0: All right? So what, what advice, though, so I have a lot of listeners who are either looking to get into the business or they're in the business now and they're looking to grow their business. Maybe they have one location and they want to add a second one or maybe they have a couple and they want to franchise. Uh, what advice would you give someone who's kind of just, I don't want to say just starting out, but, you know, it could be just starting out but in the, in the lower end of their career.
1: I think the the best advice is you have to understand the mathematics of your business. And that's the thing that a lot of operators fall short on is they're, they're so involved in their love of pizza making, because it's, I'm sure, you know, it's a, it's a very unique subculture with people that, you know, that it, and get, people get engaged in it, that fall in love with the process. With, they fall in love with handling dough and fermentation and the science and the, and the camaraderie of pizza makers, this amazing subculture. And they forget that in the end, the math has to work. Right. It doesn't matter if you make the best pizza in the world. McDonald's doesn't make the best hamburgers in the world, but their math works. And you can't overcome uh, an unsound financial structure. You know, I hear people all the time that say, I'm going to open up 10 of these. We'll make one of them work first. (laughs) Right. You know, before you, you know, I've had, I mean, we've had dozens of operators come come to Las Vegas and they do a PR, you know, they do a PR blitz where they, when they're interviewed, they say, yeah, we're going to open up 12 stores in the next year. And, you know, the next year they don't even have one store anymore. Understand your demographics, understand who you are and what you represent in the marketplace. Don't 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 go too. If you're opening a second location, just far enough away from your first one to where it's not going to cannibalize, but not so far away that you can't manage it. You know, and I would definitely say, if you have one location, you don't go looking for a licensee or a franchisee at that point. You've got to have several locations so you can so you really understand the uh, the the oversight that's necessary. To run multiple locations, take baby steps. Right. You know, um, you know and and then the, the most important advice is fall in love with what you're doing, and stay in, you know fall in love with it, be obsessed and stay obsessed.
2: I love that. If you
1: if, you know if you if you go, if you go on a vacation and the first thing you do is in researching pizzerias in the place that you're going for vacation. You don't really love this business. you shouldn't be doing it for a living right everybody i know and i've been lucky enough to spend time with probably some of the most well-known and famous pizza makers in the world and traveled with some of the most famous pizza makers in the world and every one of them is like obsessed you know you go to you go to a a a new city and they're like hey i heard about this guy you know he's he's only open from two o'clock in the morning to five o'clock in the morning he makes pizza down on you know down on a dock (laughs) let's go you know Let's get up tomorrow morning and go see this guy. You know, what I mean, they're all—they're all like that. They're all obsessed, and they're still in love with the business. If you don't feel that way about it, if you think, if your—if your motto is "I'm off" and that's it, this is not the business for you.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Great advice, John. Thank you. Uh, where can okay. so where can people find you if they want to maybe send you an email or they want to check out what you're doing online? Where where should people go to check um, you out?
1: They can contact me at Johnny Pizza guy. At gmail.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y-P-I-G-Z-A-G-U-Y at gmail.com. That's the easiest way.
0: And your uh, website is metropizza.com?
1: Yeah, but um, email's better.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for ta- t- uh, taking the time out and joining me, John. Great great talk. Right. Uh, tons of great information. Thank there.
1: you. Thank you. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. It was great. All
0: right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to that episode with John Arena. Special thanks to John for taking the time out of his day always appreciate when these busy guys who have multiple locations take the time out to say hello to us and give us some great tips and information about how they grew their business. So If you ever want to reach out to those guys and just say thank you, say you heard them on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast and uh, you appreciated that they gave their time up, and just give them a quick thanks on either Facebook or Twitter or their email if they give it out on the show anything like that. Also, if you're sick of losing sales because your phone line goes down, you should really check out Pizza Phone System. This is a system that I found because I got this question many times. Uh, They have a cell tower backup. So your phone lines never go down or your internet never goes down, which means you'll never lose sales again because of that. And that's a huge issue. If your phone line goes down at six o'clock on a Friday and it's down for a couple hours, that could be thousands of dollars in sales that you're losing. Um, And these guys prevent that from happening. So head over to pizza phonesystem.com check out their website. You can ask for Greg. He's the sales guy over there. That's in charge of all of this great stuff that's going on with pizza phone system. I highly suggest you check them out to help you with your phone system. So you never lose sales again. Okay. Now I'm hosting a webinar. If you want to head over to smart forward slash class, you can sign up for our next webinar. We're going to teach you the basics of social media, go over what's working on each particular social network mistakes to avoid all of that good stuff at smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash class. And if you're listening to this when it comes out on Monday or Tuesday, don't forget to join us on our live show Tuesday night. We're gonna have great guests on. You can come over, say hello live, watch us, interact, ask some questions live with these great guests that we're gonna have on. Kind of gonna go through the podcast episodes that we've done in the past that were really popular. Ask those guys to come on with us live, which gives you an, uh, an opportunity to Say hello to those guys. Ask them your questions, whatever case may be. Maybe you listen to a past episode, and then he comes—that gentleman or whoever the guest was—comes on with us live, and you can ask the questions. Maybe you had some questions that you were thinking about when you listened to that podcast episode, and this is the great opportunity to ask them live. So that's smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash SPM Live for links to the shows that we're doing. Uh, there'll be like three or four ahead of time that we'll have linked out over there the next three or four episodes. I know we have the next four or five episodes on there now, and then we're working on the next ones after that. So trying to coach up everybody's schedule. The thing about the live show is that it's at a particular time. It's at eight o'clock. So we have to make sure that uh, that's a hard time that we have to stick to. We can't say, hey, you know what? We can record like the podcast episode. We can record at any particular time and then schedule it out. The live show has to be done at eight o'clock on Tuesday nights. Which is tricky for people's schedules because they're all over the country and sometimes the world. So, we're working on getting some great guests. So, head over there to join us. Also, if you could leave me a review on iTunes, that would really help me out. Otherwise, we'll see you guys on the next week's podcast episode or the live show. Hope you guys have a tremendous week. See ya.